Great job, worship team. Thank you so much for leading us in the worship of God today through the gift of music. I always think it's so neat, you know, that God came up with the idea of music. Like, he, he dreamed that up. He, he, he created that. And then he gave people gifts to lead us in it. What a blessing. Uh, today we're continuing in our series through Jeremiah, which is a, in broader part our uh, work through the Old Testament as part of our Bible reading plan together. You can pick up a plan on the table in the back here where the lamp is or go to fbckennedy.org slash Bible and you can find that plan. And each week, more or less, I am preaching out of one of the chapters or sections from the previous week's reading. And if you are on target with your reading, then you read this morning Jeremiah 23, which is where we're going to find today's uh, sermon text. And we're going to read together just a few verses in the middle of Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. Here we read, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. So reading of God's word, you may be seated. And as you are, we do have Kingdom Kids today, which is our ministry for those who have aged out of a nursery, which means they're four years old through second grade. And so if you have any kiddos with you today, four years old through second grade, and they'd like to participate in Kingdom Kids, obviously they can Come down right over here with Miss Sarah, who's going to take them over to our Christian Life Center, the metal building set back here behind us where our fellowship and gym is located. They'll be upstairs, and they're going to be worshiping uh, and learning at their level, so they're going to have a great time, as they always do. And normally, a couple of my kiddos would be running over there, but Ezekiel and Maddie are with Marsha, and they went back home to visit Marsha's folks this weekend, and so I'm... I'm uh, with Jackson and Ava, and so we've had a wonderful weekend together doing not a whole lot of anything, which is one of my favorite things to do on the weekend, is just a whole lot of nothing. And so if you would pray for them, Marcia and, and the little ones, as they're traveling back today, we would appreciate it. And uh, speaking of prayer, I'd like to just pause and pray with you now before we take a look at what God has to say to us through Jeremiah 23. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we give you thanks for your word that you saw fit to speak to us. God, not only through nature, through our human experiences, through the wisdom of those around us, but God, most authoritatively, most clearly, you have spoken to us through your word that you have inspired throughout centuries. And so we come to this book not as just another book, but as your word spoken to us. And so we're believing, God, that you have a message for us. You have something you want to say to us today. And I pray that you would prepare our minds to understand it, our hearts to receive it, and our hands to take what you show us today and go and live it. We know we cannot do this without the help of your Holy Spirit. And so we ask that your spirit would be speaking to us, pointing us to your son Jesus, all the way through. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Okay, here's a big idea, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit. The big idea is that there are, in our lives, leaders, misleaders, and I'll talk about what that means here in a little bit. And then there is the leader of our life. Leaders, misleaders, and the leader. And what I want us to kind of discover as we look at Jeremiah 23 is that the very best leaders in our life are those who follow the leader. But there is a danger that we might begin to follow a misleader. Now, uh, most of us are probably on social media. And you know, when you're on social media, I really only do two. I just kind of do Facebook and Twitter. And I don't tweet a lot. I'm not really a Twitter tweeter type of person all that much. But I like to see what's going on in the world through Twitter. And then our church has an Instagram page. And so we're always posting stuff to that along with it just mirrors what we're doing on Facebook. But as you know, when you're on social media, you can follow people, right? That's one of the things I do like about Twitter because I can follow a variety of news sources and, and uh, whether it's, it's uh, just kind of news out in the world or I like to follow Christian leaders and things like that. And I, can, and I can just pull up Twitter. I can get a whole list of things that are happening in the world and I can become informed locally and globally. And that's pretty much most of what I'm doing on Twitter personally. But you got to go find those people and then you got to follow them. And those people that they, you follow, they follow other people and they'll retweet them. You all know how it works. You can go into Facebook and you can find people. And you don't even have to be their friend. You can just follow them from the shadows if you wish. You, know? you can follow anybody. And it's a neat thing. It's, it can be a helpful thing. But then there's also some downside to that, right? Because who we follow helps shape who we are. We have to be careful with it. Who we follow will help shape where we're going. Leaders that we allow to speak into our life will shape, help shape who we are and where we're going. And so we want to be thoughtful about who we follow. Now, I'll be honest, if you look at who I follow on Twitter, you'll say, he follows who? I like to follow contrarians too. I like to follow atheists and people you know, who are far from God. I like to see what they think. I want to hear what they have to say. I want to be challenged and be thinking about, well, how would I talk to that person about the Lord who differs from me in their theology? But those who are actually helping lead your life, not just a source of information, but those who you might call a leader in your life, will help shape who you are and where you're going. And so obviously, we want to choose those people wisely. Now what's taking place in Jeremiah's day is, if you've been tracking with us, you know this, uh, the, the God's people who resided in a place called Israel uh, have been divided between a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Because northern kingdom's kings were all evil, God punished them and, and they were exiled. They were overtaken by the Assyrians and let out as captives, many of them. And then you still had the southern kingdom. And the southern kingdom did a little bit better than the northern kingdom. They did have some good kings. But they had a lot of wicked kings too. And because they had a lot of wicked kings and a lot of wicked leaders, God says punishment is going to come on you too if you do not stop following them. Because they are shaping who you are and where you are going. And so God speaks through Jeremiah a pretty scathing rebuke to those leaders of Judah. And if we were to read all of chapter 23, which we won't, 
But just to give you an idea, he uses a general term, shepherds. He says in Jeremiah 23, 1, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. He goes on to say to them, Because you have scattered my flock, middle of verse 2, and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done. God is saying to these leaders, you are not shepherding my people. You are scattering. All the things a shepherd should do, you are not doing. You are not gathering. You are not feeding. You are not protecting. You are not leading them well. And so I am going to punish you. Now, shepherds, that term there actually covers uh, quite a variety of leaders. It would have included both spiritual leaders like the false prophets that we read about in, in this chapter itself. But it also covers wicked kings. You'll find that a few chapters later if you've been reading through, you know, in chapter 22, just a chapter prior. And then just the chapter after in 24, it addresses wicked kings. So these shepherds that he speaks of are both spiritual and political leaders in the life of Judah. And he says, you are not doing what a shepherd should do. You're doing the opposite of that. Not only that, but when you read through this section of Scripture, you find some specifics, some specific things they are doing that is wrong. We read in verse 13 that they are practicing and promoting the worship of false gods. How many times have we talked about that? Not only that, but... The false gods might even require them to sacrifice their own children in a fire, which is a horrible thing to think about. But in chapter 22, verse 28, we read about that very thing that the leaders were leading Judah to do. They mistreated others in their country by shedding innocent blood, chapter 22, verse 17. And they led from their own personal lives poorly. Lying, adultery, chapter 23, verse 14 and 25. I think perhaps one of the harshest things and one of the most ugliest things that they could have possibly done, we find a little bit later in chapter 23. They claim to speak for God, but they do not. They fill God's people with false hopes. What was a false hope? God surely won't punish us. We're going to be fine. And when it becomes clear that they're not going to be fine, God surely won't punish us long. We'll just be punished for a few years. And Jeremiah says, no, it's going to be more like 70 years. So they're giving false hopes. They claim to speak for God when they do not. It's verse 16 and 21 and chapter 23. They claim to have dreams and visions that God didn't give them, but they are speaking on behalf of God. When in reality, they're only speaking for themselves. And we read at the end of uh, chapter 23, verses 30 through 32, we read that they are of no benefit to God's people. None whatsoever. And I think one of the scariest things they say that God says about them is in chapter 23, verse 27. Look at that with me. They think the dreams they tell one another will make my people 
forget my name. These leaders, whether political or religious, think they can get God's people to forget God's name. And we've already seen from the history of God's people that that actually is possible. It is possible, this is why it's so important, that we give thought and prayer for those who speak into our lives. Because if their agenda doesn't line up with God's agenda, how far off will we be? And the ugliness there is in black and white. They think they can get my people, make my people, forget my name. Now this is the message God gave Jeremiah to preach. Now that's not a fun message to preach, all right? So you would hope that Jeremiah, you know, he finds a willing audience. That people would hear it and say, yeah, yeah, you're right. God's right. We've been leading these people poorly. And the people would say, yeah, we've been following these leaders that aren't leading us towards God. Yeah, we're in trouble. We, We really should, you know, change course. That's not his audience. If you read in chapter 26, verse 8, this is what his audience says. As soon as Jeremiah finished telling all the people everything the Lord had commanded him to say, the priests, the prophets, and the people seized him and said, you must die. I'm so thankful I get to preach to you guys. You may fall asleep. You may forget everything I say today. But at least I get to walk home safely. I'm not worried about that. But Jeremiah was. His his harsh message of Judgment from God was not well received. And in fact, his very life was at stake. So the overtaking of Israel, the future destruction of Judah, the walls around the temple are going to be destroyed, the temple within the city itself are going to be destroyed. All of this is taking part, at least in large part, because Judah had misleaders And the people gave little thought to following them. When it comes to listening to those who govern us, politically, when it comes to listening to those who lead us, spiritually, I think the message we get from the middle here of Jeremiah is that we should choose carefully who we allow to lead us. Because those who lead us will not only have an impact on who we are, but they will also have an impact on where we are going in this life. So with that said, I want to talk a little bit about this. I want to talk about who is the leader, who are good leaders, and who are the misleaders. I'm going to take it kind of in that order, all right? Who is the leader? I want to begin there because that's... Uh, why I had us read chapter 23, verses uh, 5 and 6. Believe it or not, the theme of Jeremiah is actually one of hope. Jeremiah is saying, yes, these bad things are going to happen. God is going to bring this discipline, but we do have a brighter future ahead of us. God's work in disciplining us will have a positive effect. God is going to gather a remnant. There is going to be a future, and we will have a leader who is worth following, who will help shape us to become the people God has called us to become and will lead us into the future God has for us. We're going to get that leader one day. And that's what this prophetic word is in Jeremiah chapter 23, 
verses 5 through 6. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David. Now, if you remember David, David and Goliath fame, second king over Israel, one of the most famous, if not the most famous king Israel ever had. And they were always looking back to David as one of the greatest leaders. So from David's line, from David's family, there was going to come what the scripture calls a righteous branch. From the trunk of the tree that includes David, there will be a branch off of that tree that will produce a leader worth following. A righteous branch. Righteous there may mean he's rightly chosen because he's in line with the kings. Or righteous may mean he does everything right. I think it could most definitely mean both. A righteous branch, a king, what makes him righteous is he will reign wisely. He'll make good decisions. He'll be thoughtful with his actions. And he will do what is just and right in the land. One of the things you see throughout Jeremiah is part of the condemnation on the leaders is they're using people for their own benefit. It says in his day, people will be saved. Israel will be safe. And the name of this Righteous branch will be the Lord, our righteous Savior. Now that's interesting because the name of one of Israel's evil kings that's addressed in the book of Jeremiah is Zedekiah. And Zedekiah's name is the Lord is my righteousness. How ironic is that? This misleader Zedekiah, an evil king of God's people, Zedekiah's name means the Lord is my righteousness, but he was not righteous. And so what God is saying through Jeremiah is, but there will be one who comes, whose name will be the Lord, our righteous Savior. Now, who is that righteous Savior? Who is that uh, shepherd who will lead God's people in the right ways? Is Jesus. Jesus is the promised Messiah. If you read in Matthew chapter 1, you'll find a lineage of Jesus. And you'll find that in his lineage is David because he comes from that tree. He is that righteous branch. In John 10, 10, you'll find that he is the shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the one that's prophesied about here in Jeremiah 23. And what that tells me is that we do have a leader that we should follow above all other leaders. Jesus. We do have a leader in Jesus that we should submit all other allegiances to, whether it's political or whether it's religious, that Jesus is the one we look to as the leader of our lives. And if we do, guess what? Who we become is Christ-like. And where we're going is to the place he has prepared for us. These are or this is the leader that we look to. Now, all other good leaders are going to be good followers of this leader. I think that's important for us to take a moment and think about. Who we allow to lead us in our life, they need to be good followers of this leader, Jesus. If they're good followers of this leader, Jesus then we're going to be in good shape. In fact, fast forward to the New Testament, and Paul talks about this idea when he says, 
follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, 1 Corinthians 11.1. What he's saying here is I am trying to be a good follower of Jesus, which makes me worthy of being followed by you. So when we allow someone to lead us and shape us and pave a road for our future, one of the questions, the question I think we should ask is, are they a good follower of Jesus? Are are they going to lead us in that direction? A good follower of Jesus, spiritually speaking, if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus 1, you'll find a description there when it comes to your spiritual leaders. It's it's speaking specifically there of elders, which we get the word shepherd or pastor from. But I think it could apply to any spiritual leader in our life, whether it's a Sunday school teacher or a deacon, and there's some description in there about deacons. Someone, a mentor of ours, a spiritual guide of ours. I think all these things more or less can apply to them as well. We find there what it looks like to be a leader who follows the leader, Jesus. We can also look at John chapter 114. We find there that Jesus is one who comes full of grace and truth. So those that lead us should be those who are full of grace and truth. We see in the words of Jesus, the most commandment is the most important commandments are to love God and love, love others. So our spiritual leaders should be those who love like God loves through Christ, both as Jesus loves the Father and both as Jesus loves us, full of grace and truth. These are leaders worth following because they themselves are good followers of Jesus. So we have the leader, Jesus. We have his leaders, which are those who are following Jesus. But we also have misleaders. Now, I get that term from a guy named Bonhoeffer. Man, I can already tell I'm going to go late. I'm sorry. Y'all don't have, like, food on the stove or anything. Y'all can hang out for another half hour, 45 minutes or something. Y'all good with that? I'll try to move faster. Uh, I would love to talk so much about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but... I just get to the point. He he lived in Germany. He was a German, lived in Germany during the rise of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party. And he saw his people clamoring for a leader, a strong leader like Adolf Hitler. But he rightly saw, as a believer, he was a Christian, he rightly saw he is not a leader worth following. He is a misleader. And he used that term on a broadcast that went out to Germany. And in the midst of the broadcast, it was just cut off. Long story short, Bonhoeffer eventually is arrested and killed for his work against Nazi Germany. He saw that there were misleaders, specifically a misleader, in their midst that was dangerous. Why? Because leaders have the potential to shape who we are and where we're going. And he saw in Hitler, we don't want to be like him and we don't want to go where he's leading. And he called him a misleader. We have misleaders too. Leaders that we should be very cautious of. I have more to say about this than time to say it, so I'm going to try to be quick about it and give a little less detail than I would like to give. 
I thought of four categories of misleaders that we should be cautious of. The first one is the egocentric leader or misleader. The egocentric misleader is one who wants your adoration. They're those who are constantly promoting themselves. They are at the center of their lives. They are the direction they want to go. It is about them. Uh, I think in categories of preaching, and so if you'll bear with me, you know, we live in a day and age where you can get more preaching and some of the best preaching that you will ever hear. It is incredible how accessible it is. But as you listen to preachers, listen for I's and me's, listen to their stories. Who's the hero? Who do they talk about? And if they're constantly at the center of it, there's a chance that they are the egocentric misleader that you should be cautious of following. We are in a political season, are we not? I was just trying to watch the baseball game, and I got to learn about how evil all the candidates are, according to the other candidates who paid for that ad. How many of you love seeing that? Nobody. How many of you hate seeing it? I just want to watch baseball. It's the only time of the year I'm going to watch it. I like to do it and enjoy it. And the Astros won, so I did. Because they're from Texas. I think you should pull for Texas teams. Those of you who are Philly fans, you're not... You're, <laughs> I was going to say you're not welcome here, but I would, that would go too far. That would go too far. Egocentric leaders are about themselves. They want your adoration. They want you to follow them. They're talking about how great they are. And if they compare themselves to other leaders... They have no problem talking about how terrible those other leaders are. And if that is someone you are interested in following, just know that's a red flag. The second one is the prophetic misleaders. It's those who claim to speak the words of God, and they do so convincingly, and yet their prophecies are never fulfilled. How, how interesting. You know one of the tests of a prophet in the Bible? You know what the test is? What they prophesy comes true. So if someone says, I'm a prophet, and then they prophesy, and what they prophesy doesn't come true, guess what? They're not a prophet. Now, this was taking place in Jeremiah's day. There were misleaders who were prophetic. God's not going to punish us. Then God did. God's not going to hold us out in exile for a long time. Two years tops. And then God held them out in exile, 70 years. They claimed to speak for God, but they're only speaking for themselves. A broken clock can be right twice a day. That's true. But that's only for two minutes. The other 1,438 minutes means that clock is wrong. And a prophet who may get some things right but get most things wrong is not a prophet of God. And so we have to be careful. What they want is our mind. They want to take over our way of thinking and seeing the world. And they want to control that. To have you see what they see. But what they see is not through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. Is through their own human thinking and logic. So there are prophetic misleaders. The third category are the health and wealth misleaders. I'm going to combine these for time's sake with the name it and claim it misleaders. These are those who promise what God seems to promise without the parameters of the things God says needs to be in place. And without the nuance of saying, you know, sometimes you follow God and outwardly it just seems like it doesn't go well but God's still worth following. Now, that's a true word. A false word would be, 
God said he would bless you, and if you're not being blessed, you're doing something wrong. And that could be true. It could also be not true. That could also be false. So the health and wealth or the name it and claim it misleaders, they're after sometimes your money. And I thought about this, like I just talked a lot about money with the education building remodel. Hope you forgot it by now. But I shouldn't have brought it up, see? Shot myself in the foot on that one. But that is their heart. That is what they want. That is what they ask for. They want your allegiance. They want your financial support. And that is always the hook. Your sign of faithfulness is how much you'll give to me and my ministry. Your sign of faithfulness is how much you will support my cause. And if their cause is God's cause, wonderful. But it isn't always the case, is it? So there are at least these four categories. I wish I could have gone into it a little bit more, but we just don't have time. These four categories of misleaders, and you, and you put against that backdrop the leader Jesus. And I just want to read for you, what does the leader Jesus look like? And there is one place in Scripture that I often go to that I think paints the clearest and most beautiful picture of who Jesus is. And when you see who Jesus is compared to these misleaders, it's quite a stark, the difference. Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing to a church in Philippi, and he says this, he says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He's talking about how we live with each other, how we interact with each other. He says, here's how, here's how you should base your life off of. Here's who you should become. Here's where you should go. It's going to look like Jesus. And what does Jesus look like? Paul describes him. He says in verse 6 of Philippians 2, Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I remember seeing, uh, I can think of two cases where a very, very strong TV preachers made a hard case that they really needed a private jet. And to, be, to be totally honest with you, it makes me want to throw up. To think that someone would use God like that to their own advantage. Look at Jesus. He was God. And he did not use that to his own advantage. Verse 7, rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. Reminds me of what would be said of Jesus in Mark 10, 45 and other places. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He was made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Very much unlike the egocentric misleader became obedient to death, and even death on a cross. That totally washes out anything the health and wealth or name it and claim it people can say. If Jesus, the Son of God, who is perfect, went through suffering, that totally discredits any claim that if you just obey God, you will be blessed, and nothing bad will ever happen to you. Jesus is walking proof that we can follow God still suffer, and yet it's absolutely worth it. Verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, and at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is, our Lord 
our righteous Savior. That is the righteous branch. That is the one Jeremiah prophesied. That is the leader that is worth following. And any human leader you allow to lead you in your life needs to be a good follower of this leader. And if you choose wisely, and that is the case, guess what? Who you will become and where you will go will be at the center of God's will. And there's no better place to be than that. Let's pray. Father God, I think of the words of Paul who said, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. To think about who Jesus was and is and to want him to lead our lives. God, that's my prayer for each of us. And then allowing Jesus to lead and following leaders who are following Jesus, we might become more like him. And we might embrace his words when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. That that would be the direction we allow Jesus and his faithful leaders to lead us. This is what we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to offer you all a prayer to consider during this time of invitation. And it's this, God, is there any leader I'm allowing to lead in my life that is not leading me towards Jesus? Could be the music you listen to, could be the politicians you follow, the speaking heads on TV, could be the preachers you like to follow online and listen to their sermons. Just open your heart up and ask God to examine And to point out to you anyone that might not be leading you towards Jesus. And then make that simple commitment to say, I can unfollow them. Which we've all done on social media. You can unfollow them. If God points you to someone you're following that isn't leading you to Jesus, you can unfollow them. Would you just consider praying a prayer like that, asking God to show you if there are misleaders in your life that are not helping you to follow Jesus and then commit yourself to unfollowing them and to a renewed commitment to follow Christ. We all need that. Well, would you stand with me for our invitation? If you need prayer, I would love to pray with you. Something's on your heart and mind, just feel free to come forward.